This episode is sponsored by the IoT Job Site, the world's only dedicated space for applying for and advertising IoT vacancies across the world. Register now for job alerts or get in touch via Let's Talk at the IoTJobSite.com. Welcome back to the IoT Podcast Show. I'm your host, Tom White. Today we are joined by Bjorn Hansen. Bjorn is the head of IoT at Telia Division X. Division X delivers specific speed-to-market IoT solutions, as well as IoT connectivity options to suit customer needs for more efficient and sustainable businesses. Before we get into it, guys, can you do me a favor? Can you like, comment, and subscribe on this video? You'll get notified every time there's a new episode, and my team use this information to give you more of what you want in the future. Bjorn, welcome to the IoT Podcast Show. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Been looking forward to this and hearing more, obviously, about Division X uh, within Telia. Fantastic business. Perhaps that's a great way to kick off. Could you explain your position and who you are? Yeah, I'm working in something called the Division X, uh, which is the um, sort of innovation unit uh, outside the traditional larger operations of Telia. And in that one, uh, I'm responsible for, for IoT. And we are developing basically new ways to reinvent better connected living outside the more traditional telco uh, operations. Excellent. IoT and being one of the best. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, of course. And, and I think, you know, a lot of operators around the world are doing this. And a lot of people are having um, divisions or subsidiaries. Um, but... Division X has been heralded, has been doing some fantastic work. So, you know, today, hopefully we can dr- drill down a little bit further into that. Um, so could, could you explain within IoT as a, as a major component of what Division X does? Um, what, what is Telia doing within that? I mean, being a telco, of course, we start on the, if you look at it as a stack in the connectivity space. And, and we launched throughout our footprint, which is the Nordic and Baltics. And LPVA networks uh, supporting narrowband and um, LTM. And we're currently rolling out uh, 3 million uh, AMR meters connected to this network. So when we won those deals um, uh, late early last year, uh, it was a big bus in Europe because the size of these rollouts are substantial uh, for a fairly small region then of Europe. Uh, so, so that's sort of the foundation. And on top of that, of course, we, we have a horizontal platform. Uh, where we or partners address specific use cases. We don't believe that Telia in itself can uh, build and address each and every use case. So we have built it in an open architectural way. And we launched uh, last year in uh, in Norway, a large area outside Oslo, where we have the complete horizontal layer together with the um, digital twin, integration to the backend systems, opening up with APIs to everybody that want to, provide digital services, sharing the data between the different traditional stovepipes. And then we have chosen also ourselves then to go into, and the reason for this podcast, uh, uh, two specific verticals, one being transport or smart public transport, if you like, and the other one is buildings, where we do a little bit more of the use cases ourselves. And once we have done that, we try to understand then what can you do? What kind of insights and predictive analytics can you do once you have gathered all this data, not just monitor? Uh, and that's in a nutshell what we're doing in IoT. Yeah, excellent. I mean, it's, 
you know, people talk about data, understanding of data, the use of that. I mean, it's, the sheer volume is, is, is vast, isn't it? I mean, if we were to look a bit more within the building space, can you tell me a little bit more about Telia's role here and what you mean? And this phrase that I've heard a lot about reinventing better connected buildings and living. Yeah. Now, coming from the, from the transport angle into the cities, looking at the other parts of the city, we see that the, the cities, they, they are a huge contributor to the climate change that we are experiencing right now in the globe. Uh, even though they're occupying, what, 5% uh, mm. of, of our world's landmass, they account for 78% of the global energy. And then we started to look into that more closely, coming from the transport angle into the facility owners. And in a report we released, which is public last year, 87% of all pub, uh, facility owners say that this is a great possibility in digitalization. Yay, we like it. And then we say, cool, uh, what have you done? How far have you reached? 70% of these that said way 87%. 70% hasn't even started yet. Wow. And that sort of gave us the um, the reason to speak based on the experience we had in the transport side, removing the wheels, if you like, on the bus and trying to understand. And we did a thorough analysis then of our footprint, the Nordic and Baltics, and saying, so which use cases? Because it all boils down to use cases. Believe is the most value fastest for a building owner or property owner that they should really look into. And then... Once they have understood that part, what do they need to have in place to start pursuing that opportunity? And then we are doing it more from a fun functional perspective rather than becoming too technical, even if you're an engineering company. What are the functions you need to have in place in your organization to capitalize on such a potential saving or, or differentiation of your offering? And then we go into where we have our stronghold, of course, how do you bring this all together and how do you start? And then we go a little bit deeper into the IoT stack and, and, and in the building space and try to explain and exemplify what we have done for the other facility owners in our, our, build, in our geographical space. Yeah, I mean, it, it is fantastic. And, you know, specifically um, within connected spaces and buildings, a lot of, a lot of work has gone into that and, and a lot has happened hasn't it, in, during the last few years. What changes, Bjorn, do you see and, and the needs within the real estate industry? I think uh, one thing that it had hit us and we thought was gone, but is now hitting us again, is the COVID, of course, mm. uh, and has changed a little bit the way we are looking at buildings. And, and I would say that uh, it has even accelerated uh, our view on buildings and uh, making them more relevant depending on what you want to do in the building, or more efficient. And uh, again, our life is centered around buildings. We spend 90% of our time indoors, in our homes, when we work, when we do sport, when we do studies, when we do eating, and we do shopping. Yeah. That's yeah. 90%. Yeah. And, 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 it feels uh, like a lot. That feels like a, lar a large scary. proportion, doesn't it? So if you don't do mountain biking or jogging uh, or skiing, yeah. I encourage you to do more of that then. Yeah, yeah. And then if we come back again to uh, the, the um, use cases that we have started looking into, we started to say, okay, what are the challenges that we have, we have identified that we could happily support the tenants with or the facility owners? And it's energy and resource waste, of course, Meaning, why have the heating on or why have the lightning on if there are no people in the building? 
how can you steer that automatically? Uh, there is no uh, lack of oversight of the very building infrastructures, uh, meaning how can you do daily operations? If there are no people in a certain floor uh, or during a certain period, should you even go up there and change the coffee machines or, or the coffee, etc.? Can you do um, optimizations of the maintenance? The other one is, of course, secure and access management. Mm. How do you secure that you have the right people at the right time in your building? <clears throat> and the other one that I think everybody's used to is the booking a room or, or inefficient use. Yes. Mm. Are you allowed to book a room for 20 people if you're only two people in the office? Conference rooms is a scarce resource in an open landscape if you try to optimize the building often. Mm. Mm. And the other one, I mean, we are used from other verticals to talk about the Ubers and the Airbnbs, etc. The digital native competitors coming in now with flexible offerings of company spaces in buildings that you can grow or you can scale down very easily. And that is also a threat to the more traditional uh, facility owners that they need to handle now uh, and try to say, how can we meet this demand uh, also for us having consultants in and out in the organization? So, so um, that, that is five of the mega trends that we, we run across in our footprint. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had people um, in the past on the show, uh, a company, Nordic business called Air Things about air quality monitoring. Yeah, yeah, I know them. I know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 lots of other uh, interesting um, concepts that goes beyond what the yeah. common man would see when we talk about digital assistants. You know, your Alexas and Homes, etc. There's there's so much more that we can offer, isn't there? Yeah, true. And 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 the challenge here many times. Uh, not to, to mention or focus on air things, but is that there is a lot of technical solutions out there already or also in a, an existing building in place, but they don't necessarily talk to each other. That means the access management team uh, doesn't know if the building is full or not. The elevators that is connected uh, where three is out of order out of 10 might not be a problem if it's only 40% of the normal workforce in the office because the way we are looking at our office space is coming back to my opening statement with COVID has put new requirements into the building space. So the elevators would be happy to know that there is only 40% of the normal workforce here. There is no problem with the three elevators that need services. We can plan that for next day. There's nobody urgently having to go out and repair these. So, so the stovepipes exist, but somebody has to understand and take the responsibility for the horizontal approach and API, open up APIs and integrate these stovepipes. So AirThings, for instance, excellent solutions could be put on top of such a solution, addressing that use case alone, but sharing that data then in the same data lake or digital twin or whatever you want to call it, um, that then can be accessed uh, from the security team that has an interest to know how many people are physically in the building right now, unless they have that control themselves in their system or the elevators. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a common theme. I mean, you, you, you started that by saying they don't talk to each other. And what we what we hear a lot and what we know a lot about IoT, and perhaps one of the reasons why we don't have 50 or 500 billion or whatever Gartner predicted it was 10 years ago uh, devices is because they don't talk together. And, yeah. and, and, and this is something that's really, really important if we're going to get mass adoption of people True. using this domestically. No, otherwise, you end up in the, in the chasm, going back to the old books you read in school, we're crossing the chasm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's always uh, some technology-friendly people who connect their whole house uh, mm. for that specific use case. And if you're lucky, if you're a private resident, the rest of the family might understand what mother or father or daughter or son has just done. The rest, 
the big majority of the people don't just follow because it's not easy enough to get value out of these uh, low pipes. Um, no, it, 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 it's, it's true. That's a really good analogy. I'll, I'll tell you a story. So a good, a good friend of mine is, is father's an architect and there's a there's a program in the uk called grand designs right okay. and, uh, about yeah yeah i've seen it i've seen oh, it okay yeah. yeah okay so um his his father's house was on grand designs and won an award um this was oh this was years ago before i was even involved in in the industry um for the most connected house and i remember going round and he had you know connect four and a and a reservoir uh, tank for rainwater to fill up and all the cameras and everything was automated. Um, but we're talking about it and, it and it took him over a year to get all of these devices to kind of work in some form of synergy together. Um, and that was obviously that was many, many years ago. But I think, you know, if we're going to have this regularly in many, many different houses, and as you say, you know, there's always some smart person that connects things together. There needs to be this common platform, this understanding that's, these devices can work in harmony or near near as harmony together, right? True that, true that. But more and more of the ones that have started, not the 70% that hasn't started, but out of the 30%, some of them have chosen to cooperate with us in our footprint. And the majority of them understand the need for this horizontal platform because that mm. gives them also an open-ended way of approaching it. And then the first thing they do then, coming back to, to the first and most burning topic how do i get my roi how do i justify yeah. this investment so yeah. Yeah. which use cases do they need to address them first and normally it's energy waste that tends to come very high up on the list our experience so there we have built our own indoor climate monitoring solution where we have sensors where we can tell you about the humidity the co2 level and uh, the occupancy level of a room etc because that's sort of basics to understand the utilization rate of your building and how the energy is being consumed yeah yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what we're currently looking into there now is to do some predictive analytics on top of it, uh, comparing then the patterns from the history together with, with day in the week and how, what do we proceed is coming up, how's the weather going to be outside, etc., uh, whether or not you are into heating and, and try to automate that part of the building. That's the next level, not just monitoring, telling you, hey, it's seven people in the room. Cool. What do I do with that data? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. If it's I mean, four I... people, I can lower the temperature or production of he heating because these, these batteries, it's small elements that is walking around there and, and creating heat just by their body temperature. Can we lower the indoor temperature? Could you predict that the day before, depending on if it's sun or rainy, et cetera? Uh, and that's where we're currently at them. Not just monitoring, but analyzing and trying to predict them. Uh, and that's that's where, you know, the machine learning element comes in. That's True where, that. you True know, that. being able to... Um, and, 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 and I think there's I think there's other benefits as well. You know, people talk about mesh networking, about being able to be used as surveillance, right? So rather than having cameras, you can find out you know, if there's people in that room that shouldn't be in that room at that time, um, which which is a which is a great uh, addition. I think one of the things that's really key on this and something that we're really keen on is sustainability. So the fact that, you know, if there are there more people, do you really need, you know, the heating yeah. on to that level yeah. and so on and so forth? Um, so so it will be, you know, be fantastic to see this moving forward. To, moving on, Bjorn, yeah. I know... Um, uh, smart cities is a topic that comes up a lot on our podcast. And we've had people from the Autonomy Institute in the past talking about digital pins, uh, you know, the advent of 5G, private 5G cellular networks. Um, what role and what is your view on, on, on Telia's approach to smart cities? 
Yeah, coming back to the number crunching I did before on cities, I mean, we expect that 70% of all uh, global populations will be living in the cities. 2050, I think, is the number used in different reports. And only today, the, the buildings in the, in the cities, they account for 40% of the energy consumed in a city. So, so that's a little bit uh, where we are uh, uh, working, coming back to your own comment, Tom, on sustainability, meaning we need to be building better and more sustainable buildings. Or, 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 or even more important, uh, retrofit this new technology that we have touched upon into already existing buildings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, as I started off with saying, okay, what are you guys doing compared to a smart city? Yeah, we have started from the angle of the buses in the cities. 70% approximately of public transport in Sweden is connected to our platform. And we do all in these buses in terms of eco-driving, a number of passengers, real-time traffic information, telling when is actually a bus going to come to that bus stop. It has been exported even to New York because they called us up and said, uh, can't we use that service here because our traffic situation is slightly different than another congested large city. So we would like to have real-time traffic data because people tend to calm down if they know the bus is three minutes away. If they read a paper envelope and say it's five minutes, oh, it's not here. I want real data, otherwise I get annoyed. Yeah. So we do all that uh, in the building, in, in the transport side. And then we have taken a lot of that knowledge into the building side. So that's where we're starting also going into the future of a smart city. So we try to break down, to answer your question, a building into subset uh, or city into subsets. What is a city? Do you buy one platform for a city? Uh, we're not there yet. I haven't seen it at least. So we said, okay, cool. We at least have one platform that can cope with the, the transportations in the city and the buildings in the city. Yes, it has an API structure. Yes, it has a common data lake beneath it. So you can address other use cases, but we haven't done that until now. Nor we, nor our partners, because it all boils down to uh, old telco, if I call us that, will not be able to address all these use cases. There are brilliant companies out there. You mentioned one before. Uh, uh, more to come, I'm sure. And if we can open up to them and say, hey, we have connected most of the buildings in this city and we've connected uh, the buses in this city to this horizontal platform. Here's the REST API. Knock yourselves out. This is the data lake. Here you can find all the data we have. You get access to it if the city allows you to, coming back to GDPR. Um, and you can then go out and offer whatever you guys want to offer in the city, smart lightning or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, so it's, it's all about an ecosystem and, and some kind of co-opetition. Sometimes we'll meet each other head to head, for sure, addressing the same specific use case. But we as an operator have to be honest to ourselves and see that long time we will be on the platform layer and saying, hey, we're an IoT operator, as we are today considered a mobile operator. Yeah, it's. I, I think I think you're you're entirely right, and and it's great to hear the plans. I think the the infrastructure is really important, isn't it, to be able to build the components, as you say, to break this down from a smart city to a smart building to what's inside that building, and and just going back to that statistic that you know ninety percent of the time that we spend inside, right, um, you know, and being able to, being able to work with that. Um, public transport was interesting. So you touched on on the buses there and and how that would work. Where where can this go? Can it, you know? Can it go further than that? You know, what other potential use cases can we see around public transport? I'd be interested to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, what we have done in a smaller scale, together with one of the public 
traffic operators in Sweden is uh, uh, autonomous buses, of course, coming back to uh, 5G a little bit. And uh, a bus that picks you up when you need the bus to pick you up, not on time. Smaller buses to start getting the private cars off the roads. That's one area, uh, which is up and running today in 5G in, in Stockholm region. Another area, uh, which is a concrete example from Helsinki, where we use crowd analytics. Um, they built a new uh, railroad to transport people into the city center, but they didn't get full uh, the full usage of it. And they were wondering why, what are we doing wrong? Uh, it's super modern trains and they go very fast, much faster than standing in the queue. But then with crowd analytics and uh, anonymizing the data, we could see the traveling patterns throughout the 24-7 day and see when people communicated and from where they communicated. And then we rerouted the bus traffic in Helsinki suburbs and to get those time slots when they were most busy to this new fancy uh, train uh, road uh, to increase uh, and and, uh, the the usage of it. And then we got it up with 25-30%. And this was done last year with crowd analytics. And the city of Helsinki then got a return on investment on their fancy trains. And they got 20-30% less uh, traffic on the roads. So the congestions uh, ended up. So I think we will see more and more of those kind of of solutions as dynamic bus routes, maybe is the headline. Yeah. And self-driving then maybe a bit further down the road. But it's technically possible today. But then there are other legislations, uh, as as we all know, Hmm. who is driving the bus if there is an accident. Yeah, well, there's a lot of talk around that, yeah. as you say, right, with level five autonomous driving, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, does, does you know, does does the car veer off? Does it not, you know, did the, you know, what, how, how, what decisions are taken with that and the legislation? Is your view, you know, because you've got, you've got one side, you've got the infrastructure, you've got the technology, and then you've got the legislation, but they don't go in parallel, you know, so mm. some can race before another. Do you, do you think maybe... Uh, that could be a limitation to some of the advancements we're making in in smart cities that that the legislation would need to catch up in order to Im- improve where we're going. Yeah, maybe in the form of of standardization. Maybe. Um, yeah. We have had talks in Europe uh, for some time now about shutting down two G and three G. Uh, most operators has embarked onto that journey, but if you start then digging a bit deeper into some of the um, alignments that has been achieved in the early days of mobility around 2G and SOS alarms, etc. It's not an easy thing to just shut this down because the legislation based on the new technology being LPVA, for instance, is not there yet between the countries to be able to allow and, and, and sort out all these security aspects of having a mobile network that seamlessly work across the globe. So yes, I think we we have a we are behind technology in legislation to answer your question. I think we need to speed up. And that was just one example. Not being a legislation expert. Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, Bjorn, I think I think I think it's fantastic. And 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 for our listeners, you know, this is a uh, this is part one of uh, of a two part podcast that we're doing with uh, with Telia and uh, and I think you know some of your insights here as an o- overview is has been really interesting and. and we thank you so much for your time today. Bjorn, as one of the uh, parts of the show which is fairly new to us, we, we ask our previous guests if they have any questions for an upcoming guest. And um, on our last episode, we had Nick Earl, the CEO of SI. And a lot of that talk was around eSIMs and yeah. global connectivity. Yeah. 
Um, the question for you, Bjorn, from Nick was, are Telia as a result of eSIM uh, going to truly adapt uh, a global platform? I'm so happy for that question. It sounds like we need more colleagues. Um, as a matter of fact, we launched a service for global IoT connectivity last year. And it's, it's uh, cloud native by, by design, uh, based on UICC or eSIM, if you like, uh, so that you can have the manage your SIMs done over the air. Um, and we have uh, 400 roaming partners um, um, on, on, on less regulated markets. And uh, uh, there are, for those who's into IoT, more, more regulated markets. And there we have currently 10 countries signed up and, and across four continents. And uh, as, as we speak, uh, um, 10 customers of, of global magnitude up and running on the platform. Wow. But one must remember them to answer Nick's questions uh, a little bit different. Our focus is in the Nordic and Baltics. Mm. So we help international companies from the Nordic and Baltics when they have international ambitions. Yes, there are some smaller, comp- smaller requests or larger requests coming from large global players as well for our platform, given how it's built. And, and we have uh, onboarded uh, one or two of those as well. But our main and primary focus is, is in the Nordic and Baltics. And, and given the, the size of the countries up here, uh, a lot of the com- companies are dependent on, on export. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the larger ones like IKEA or H&M or whatever, of course, we meet the global operators in those RFQs as well, as it should be. But there are so many smaller companies that the larger operators don't necessarily consider. Yeah, For yeah. them, we are a very natural choice then with, with, with this offering. So I, I thank Nick for that question. And I know that you, Tom, will have, a, as you said, a second follow-up on this uh, with my colleague Rashid and... Uh, he will go a little bit deeper into this offering. So I will not preempt that podcast. Yeah. Well, all, all this to say is, you know, you know, fantastic. You've got 10, 10 customers signed up in such a relatively short period of time. Truly sees like something that, that, that's moving in that way. Um, absolutely fantastic. And uh, thank you, Nick, for sharing that. Bjorn, thank you so much for coming onto the show. We're really looking forward to, to filming the next episode with Rashi. Um, just so our listeners can be aware, where can they find out some more information on Telia, on the social media, etc. They can probably find their way to the report I was referring to uh, about uh, smartly connected living or, or buildings. Uh, that is official. Download it on our homepage. And there is also a buyer's guide there uh, where you can read a little bit on how to get started if you're into the building space. And uh, contact details and everything there to me or my team is there. So knock yourselves out. Excellent. Bjorn, thank you again. Cheers. Thank you, Tom. Guys, as always, get involved in the comments online. Follow us at the IoT Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode with Rashid Saxena from Telia. And as always, I don't care how you're connected, just as long as you're connected. Cheers.